Hey, it's Junkman. And on the line, I have an old friend and uh, quite a talent, I might add. <laughs> I'm a big fan of this gentleman in a lot of ways, of, just as a guy and as a, as a fan of his music and his style. I have Jeff Scott Soto on the line for me. How you doing, brother? My man, well, first of all, we need to we need to come up with a new way of saying old friend. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It's it's one of the, it's one of those it's one of those habits, right? You know, it's just yeah, for, for both our sake, I guess. <laughs> just plain friend, I guess, would work. How's that sound? Exactly. No, it, it's dude. I've known you for so long, and uh, and we're not spring chickens, so I guess it, the, the shoe does fit on that category. This is true. Uh, congratulations on this great new record uh, from this band, Sons of Apollo, and it's your second record. Uh, recording with this group of gentlemen, and I, I gotta say, for people that are unfamiliar with Sons of Apollo, this is one of those quote unquote all star bands. Now you hear that a lot in rock music, in progressive rock music, and all kinds of different things. This is a true all star band. Everybody in this band is the cream of the crop, and it's like kind of like when the original band Cream got together. It's people that absolutely love each other's playing and and coming together and playing together and i just i've written about it i've seen it and it, uh, up front i just got to say it's such a pleasure as a part-time musician myself and a big fan of of the music just to see the joy out of all five faces of this band when you guys are playing that you absolutely look like you're having a ball with each other and would not be in any other place but there, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Did that make sense? That, <laughs> absolutely. And that, that, that was very important to us that, uh, that is perceived how we actually feel about it, that it is perceived as a band because, uh, you know, as you said, these all star things, these super groups, all those, all of the above, they're, uh, they're difficult for people to take serious or to even commit to and, and put time and money and energy and effort. You know, the, the ideal of a band being created by, by a, Bunch, a group of individuals that grew up together. They they practiced in their garage. They they slaved it together. They worked it from the bone, from the ground up. It, obviously, it's it's different coming from this approach. We we all did all that uh, with other people, and you know, individually putting that to that to now collectively, it's hard for people to take that serious. If if it's uh, if, if it's something we're even going to continue with, if it's something that if it will only continue if it sticks, if it doesn't, you know, say la vie. But this is something we all committed to. We, we knew from day one that even if we sold 200 copies, we're just going to keep battling it and, and, and breaking it down the same way a band that, that does it the old traditional uh, way of, you know, hey, let's, you know, my neighbor down the street and this guy, uh, this guy I went to high school with. It's, we, we tried to go with that ideal in, in showing people that this is a real deal. Yep. Well, it's like you took that a cue from that old "We Are the World" sign and said, "Check your ego at the door," which is awesome. Exactly. You know, and it, and it's cool because I told you guys this after the first time. I said, "Please don't make this a one-off project." And true to your word, man, you guys came out with a second record, and the second record is called Twenty Twenty. Uh, at yeah. first, you know, at first I was probably like every other moron that just went MMXX. And I think I actually backsold it uh, a couple of times as that because I'm not rolling. You know, I don't it, know it, rolling it works, numbers, you know? <laughs> yeah, it works either way. I mean, because it, when you're looking at it, we're, and we're, we're not Romans, we don't read Latin, we don't read. You right. know, it, we're looking at it as the letters MMXX. Right. But if anybody has uh, ever, ever looked at any television program, even to this day, even right. movies, they're still using the Roman numerals at the end of every one of these titles because that's just the, the old traditional way of showing what year it was released or made or whatever. I and see that old, exactly, I, yeah, I see that old hand coming down with the little hammer that hits a bing yeah. on the old TV shows. Yeah, exactly. Uh, absolutely. And, and because we, we, we kind of wanted to follow up on the whole Roman theme that, that the, you know, this, the the whole structure of the crest, the, the album cover of the first album, including the new one, it has that that kind of Roman theme to it, based on the the fact that the name is Sons of Apollo. So utilizing the Roman numerals to the fact that this is one of the first albums, one of the first releases of the year of the decade 2020, we wanted to emphasize on it just to call it 2020 would, would seem okay. They couldn't come up with something more original, you know. Van Halen did 1984, now they're just doing 2020. This is a more clever way of, of releasing it that way. Now, was that something that 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 one person brought to it, or was that something that uh, that maybe I don't know uh, was was a group decision initially, or how did that how did that all come about? 
Yeah, that's a that's a Portnoy call. He's uh-huh. uh, he's kind of the captain of the ship when it comes to the creative end, when you know, regarding everything from the logo to the the color scheme to <clears throat> to how the whole thing's going to overlay quality uh, control. With, with the, <laughs> we, yeah, quality control exactly. You know, and and that's the thing. You know, a lot of people would normally think, oh, he's just a control freak, or he just wants to have it his way, and that's not it at all. We're all so busy with uh, where we all come from and came from with other things. We're happy to to delegate one person to, to kind of oversee the whole thing. So because he loves the creative end, everything from uh, from sequencing the album to, to choosing the set list to how the actual album cover is going to look, we we say absolutely go for it, run with it because we know we know in the end he's going to come up with something that we're all going to agree with anyways. And, which is amazing. Yeah, which is amazing to me because you know. Simply, he's like in 20 other bands at the same time, you know? <laughs> and he does the same with those other bands. Yeah, he just yeah. Loves, he's OCD with, with how he how he kind of envisions things, and, and that's a great thing to have in, in any band. I mean, I, I I have to do with a lot of the bands that I'm in just because we don't have that kind of uh, creative deciders in, in the different things that I'm doing. So it's great to kind of take a break from it and let somebody else run with it, knowing that you can they're going to come up with something that truly works. Well, for those of the, those are the people that are very unfamiliar with it. Like, I don't really know who that would be at this juncture, but uh, Mike Portnoy plays drums and obviously is in charge of quality control. We got uh, Billy Sheehan on the bass, uh, Ron Bumblefoot fall on the guitar, the incredible Derek Sherinian on keyboards. And of course, who I'm speaking with is uh, vocalist Jeff Scott Soto, AKA the sons of Apollo. Now with this particular, not only just the name of it too, was this something that you guys came together collectively or again, is this another Portnoy thing? Yeah, that was, uh, that was actually Derek and Mike. And, and that was, that was more so the earlier stages of the band before we even played, played or recorded one note together mm-hmm. as, uh, as the idea, or I'm sorry, as the ideal of who was going to be in this band. And, and, uh, once that was locked down, they obviously needed a name for it. So they were just bouncing the ideas back and forth. And, uh, originally, and Mike's got this, uh, he's got this back catalog of names. Anytime he comes across a name that would sound great as a band name or an album title or something like that, he's got like this, this long laundry list of names of, of things <laughs> that could be used in the future, especially somebody like Mike. He's, he's probably always needing and searching for band names and, and titles, et cetera. And they were just looking at his, his long list and, and one of the original things was Apollo. Uh, actually, I think they wanted to call the band Apollo Creed, but we we realized <laughs> that there's going to be legal ramifications with that. Yeah, right. And so, but they they loved the way the word Apollo stuck out, and that's when they started toying around with different things. It's it's also ironic that Ron was working with a band called Art of Anarchy at the time, and Sons of Apollo, and then Sons of uh, what's it, Sons of Anarchy. It, it was just weird timing that. The, the the TV show with Ron's last project, and then now Sons of Apollo. You had the of thing, the Sons of, and then the Anarchy thing. It was just like, oh my god, how does <laughs> how is this all coming together? So, so uh, it, it it seemed like it was just a coincidence. Well, it's almost like music notes. I mean, there's only so many notes on a scale, so eventually something's going to sound like something else, you know. So yeah, of I, course. I, I I can imagine it would be uh, something similar with naming your band but these the, days, you know. So. The funny part it was. The way the early stages of Sons of Apollo, when you, if you like Google it, you, you as soon as you put Sons of, the only thing that would come up was Anarchy. Now, Sons of Apollo actually pops up now as a, as a choice when you put Sons of yeah. before you get to the A part. It, it's kind of cool that we've been, we've been able to establish a name enough that now even Google will will throw it out there before you even finish putting the title out. Oh, that's great. Well, so, and no, like like some bazooki band in Greece doesn't have the title of that particular thing and are yelling at yeah. you at the same time every time you use it, right? There's been that none of that, too, tough, either, right? It, cer- it certainly is the tough part of coming with the band name these days. It's everybody's. It just, everything's been used, even the strangest things that you, you come up with, these strange um, collaborations of words and ideas, and like next thing you know, there's a a band in Santa Ana that plays in a swap meet with the same name. Right, right. <laughs> no, what, what, which leads me into my into my next question for you is, you know, you guys, this is your second record. Now, these are five individuals that are just all so accomplished. How do you go to the next level after that first album, which was so iconic? 
You know, how did, well, how did, how did you go into, into, uh, 2020 with this, uh, with this particular thing? Did you, did you learn some things off that first record or was it just more tracks that you guys just get together and it just comes out of you? Um, a little bit of both, I would say. I mean, the, the first album, I had no idea what the guys were expecting me to come up with. And in general, I got the gig without any, there was no audition. None of us had to audition or, or see if we were right for this band. It, it was, we were all hand selected and, and chosen and decided upon by Mike himself mm-hmm. in the sense that he knew this would be a powerhouse band. Uh, that being said, me coming in, I didn't know if they expected it me to sing like uh, like James Labrie doing the the higher kind of operatic vocals that that normal prog bands are known for. I didn't know if they expected me to come up with something completely left field because even somebody like Bumblefoot, his solo records, yeah, they're a little different. They're a little more on the alternative side, and they're not of the norm. So I had a lot of weight on my in my shoulders and even in my head, like okay, I got to come up with something that. Bumblefoot's going to say that's really cool and that's creative. That Derek's going to say that that really has the great hook. I, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know if I was supposed to be drawing from Guns N' Roses, Mr. Big, uh, Winery Dogs, and putting it all into one big pot, or if I was just supposed, just supposed to be me. So the first album, thankfully, I had Mike and Derek to kind of bounce ideas off, and we we basically pieced all my melodies and all my lyrics together as a as you know, as a group, we, we collectively did it as a group for album number two. I already had that foundation set. I already knew exactly what to do and what we had established and, and laid down. And I knew exactly how to carve out a sons of Apollo song. We had, we now had a foundation and a sound and now it's time to build on it and elaborate on it. So the second one by far was a lot, I don't want to say easier, but it, it just, it gave me something to, to kind of, take from mm-hmm. and that being said i think there's more personality in my vocals there's more personality in my lyrics on this new album than there were on the first album because again that was done as a group effort i'm not used to working with people kind of helping me and molding me of what i'm supposed to come up with i, I naturally have that after 35 36 years of doing this for a living but for a new group for it to actually be able to fit and everybody in the group itself to agree and go, man, this is strong. This is great. That was the tough part on the first album. Right. The second album, not so much. It, it, I, I kind of knew where to draw from at that point. Well, knowing you, I, I could definitely see the the personable part about it, especially like uh, with "Desolate July" and one of the tracks off right. that. But uh, yeah, it, it. I was that answers my question completely. <laughs> Just, I, well, yeah, and and that's the thing, you know. I, I on the first album, I don't want to say I'm homogenized. But there, I, I definitely was not, I wasn't kind of uh, the, the lion let loose from the cage in the sense of, I was the lion, but I was kind of in a cage in the sense of putting little personality, little hoots and hollers and, and screams and this and that and, and the other. On this album, they, they kind of left me alone and I was able to toy around with different things and, and come up with my own things before they even heard what the final outcome was going to be. Mm-hmm. And from that, my personality, I think, shines more on this new record. Absolutely. Not only on the record, but on stage, too. I uh, I saw you again live just recently at the Roxy in Hollywood. Yeah. That stage couldn't hold you. <laughs> you know, you know <laughs> yeah. there, was so much, there was so much going on on that stage. Jeff, I, uh, for anybody that's seen Jeff sing live, there's a lot of energy coming out, not only out of his throat, but out of his body as well. And there was no way that you were going to stay on that stage. And you were all, right, over, right. all over that room, man. It was awesome to well, see. Dude, that, that, comes from, that comes from my old school uh, influence and upbringing in the sense of my, my DNA includes the, the showman side of, yeah. I would say, Freddie Mercury, of, of David Lee Roth, of Prince. You know, you've got to give them something to look at instead of just something to listen to. Yep. And I think the visual is just as important as the audio. And and, and so I naturally just, I, I, I ham it up. I can't help it. I, I, I can't be harnessed on stage. And it reminds me, it's it's kind of funny you, you bring that up because even when I first joined Journey, I, I they, they tried to kind of pull it back. He's like, dude, this is not Van Halen. You got to pull back the reins and stop doing that those kind of movements and antics. Yeah, that was like, not going to happen. <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I can't harness that. Yeah, I, I, I don't even think about it. When I'm up there, I'm just doing as I do. I'm not. 
I'm not thinking, okay, pull it back here and put more here. I, I just do it. And wow. it's, it's not even a, a second thought when I'm on stage. It just happens. When the music happens, I happen. Well, the fact is that a lot of people are going to be able to see. They just got done with the with the United States part, the first part of this tour. I'm sure yeah. you're going to be coming back again eventually. But uh, you guys are off to Europe, so our European audience is going to get to see all kinds of stuff. What you guys are going to do, I would imagine, since since because I, I hate to say it, but I think that the music may be even more appreciated overseas than it is in the United States, especially the way the pop music scene is going in the United States. You know, it's a very, very semi-homogenized audience here. Uh, In Europe, they just go absolutely buck wild for whatever you guys are going to do. So. If you want, if you want to talk about next level, even from Europe, uh, South America, yep, it's, it's, exactly, it's unbelievable what happened down there in the yep. sense of the energy, the uh, the vibe, and it's it's certainly even a few a few pegs, a few levels up from the European audiences. But yeah, I mean that's the differences around the world. There, there's uh, one thing I I do love about the European side of performing and, and touring in that area, in those areas is that um, they're a little more loyal but without putting my own country down with my, my own rock fans and my own backyard here down. I'm, I'm not saying I'm not putting them down at all, but in Europe, it seems like they're, they, when they get into something, they really hold on to it. They'll hold on to it for decades mm-hmm. where the U S seems to be a little more fickle than more, a little more here today, gone today in the sense of uh, I'm on to the next thing after this, after two or three, four or five years in Europe. If you if you got them, you got them for life. Yep. And that's and that's probably what backs up what you were saying and on how much more it's appreciated or the energy level is it's you know stands up a little more over there. Well, starting February 29th is when you guys are heading over there. You're going to start out in Germany, then go to Norway, Sweden. Uh, you're going to be playing in the Ukraine. You're going to be playing in Russia. Have you ever been to Russia before? Uh, we I actually did for the first time. I played Russia with. Um, with Sons of Apollo ever. I never went there with any other band. Wow. And so we're going back there and doing, we're doing more again this time around. And, uh, it, it did open up a new market for me on a, on a solo level and, you know, my, my own other thing. So that's, that's a beautiful thing that I can actually go. And that, that's the thing about Sons of Apollo. I can go visit the countries that I normally play at, um, in, in a bigger level, but I'm also hitting other places I've never been to that I've always wanted to play. Well, just thinking, you know, back in the day, you, you and I both remember when you could not play rock music in Russia. You know, there was it just right. didn't happen. So now Absolutely. you guys are heading over there. You're going to be playing a couple of shows over there. You're going to Switzerland, Italy. You're going to Spain, which I know you're a Spaniard, man. That's got to mean a lot for you is going over there. Do you still have uh, a lot of family in the old country over there? It's still still? <laughs> well, uh, well, I'm Puerto Rican, so uh, oh, okay. I, I come from the island that's 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 part of the U.S. Okay, uh, I thought it was Spain, Spain initially. I, okay, so well, no, there, my mistake. And there is there is some uh, Spaniard uh, blood running through our, our family tree, but uh, for the most part, it's uh, it's Puerto Rico. Yeah, wow. but it, it, nonetheless, it, I do have a, a nice rapport out there with with the the country and the people. So, absolutely, everybody that I that I've talked to that has played over in Spain said that's one of their favorite places to play, simply because just the country's not only just so beautiful, but again, it goes back to the people being appreciative, and yeah. uh, they just they absolutely. love their music over there. So. But uh, you're also going to France, England, Netherlands, Czech Republic, Slovakia, and uh, finishing right. off in uh, the end of March in Hungary. Wow, it's uh, it's going to be quite an interesting tour. It's it's going to be a fun run, and we are missing even on that tour. We're missing a lot on um, on this tour. We we kind of uh, consolidated the markets that are our strongest in, in in terms of not only attendance but uh, where we know it will actually work absolutely work as opposed to just trying to add other places where we're trying to break it. I think those places need a little more time while we're, it's best that we feed the areas that we know absolutely work and let the other ones kind of slowly come to the table. So we can, once we do go back, we, we can hit those, those other markets and, and know that it's not either not going to be a loss or we're not going to be playing in front of, you know, 50 people. I mean, that's, right. that's, that's the other hard part about what we're doing in this day and age is, it's it's really difficult to to show that this is a real entity and that we're going to be around for a long time. And so a lot of people don't treat it as such. They're kind of like, well, 
I don't want to waste my money and my time. The band's <laughs> not even going to be around next year. Yeah. The more we keep doing, the more we sh- we're showing them, hey, you're missing the party. You better you better come down because uh, this thing is this is a freight train that's just going to keep rolling. Yep. Well, if people want to find out more information, they can go to your website, which of course uh, Sons of Apollo dot com correct and, yep. uh, and social media our, our individual uh, individual websites also where we push everything uh, collectively and individually so obviously googling is the best way to just find out sure. who and where we are so and now that we know that we're not coming up with a with a bazooki band from Greece we're going to be coming up for <laughs> these sounds sons of Apollo you can go right there and that's all you need so um, yeah let's get into some of the music man I mean the first track off off of this particular record is goodbye divinity what can you tell us about that track well that was a, that's actually the first song I dove into as far as lyrics and melodies uh, um, and it's when these guys give me music or anybody gives me any music to write to, one of the first questions I get most of the time are these leftover songs from the last album? Are these old ideas? Everything on this album was fresh and brand new and, and, and basically created and carved for this record. There's no leftovers. There's no, well, I had this thing that I was going to show you guys, but maybe I'll save it for the next album. Not at all. Everything is fresh and brand new. So when I heard that song or any of the songs on this album, they kind of dictate what the songs or the themes are going to title is going to be about. Mm-hmm. And and again, I came up with the melodies first, and then when I was coming up with the, the lyrics and kind of fitting lyrics over the melodies that, that were come up with that I came up with, it was um, Goodbye Divinity itself. The the theme behind it is exactly what we've been talking about this whole time: the fact that. We're a new band, but for all intents and purposes, we are a brand new band. And coming out of the gate with that whole supergroup all-star thing behind us, I think there might have been a bigger expectation that this thing's going to fly right out of the gate. And the fact that we had to build from the ground up this band, it's the divine, the divine part of that, of where we come from, was kind of laid to rest. We couldn't, re- we couldn't rely on the fact that we all come from these big places and it was going to turn this band into a monster band. Mm-hmm. We even though we have that behind us, we still had to work for it. We still had to work from the ground up. So I was basically saying we have to say goodbye to the divine side of where we come from and treat this as we are starting from the ground up. And that's where the title Goodbye Divinity came from. That's very interesting. That's awesome. I would have never thought about that. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Um, and I, I also write my lyrics. I also write a lot in double entendres. So yeah. I, I love that you can read the lyrics and think it's about something else when yep. it could be about something completely out of context of where, what you thought I was actually writing at. And I, I, I always do that. I, and I love that context. Kind of like when you read a book compared to watching the movie. Yep. You get way more from the book itself because you're you're getting your own interpretation of what you're reading compared to somebody else's visual when you're watching it on the screen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. This one again. This is. Uh, it starts out with this with this really really cool Derek Sherinian sound, or is that, or is that Ron on his guitar? I really can't tell because his upper no, he plays a, he plays a double neck, and he's it, the top one is fretless, so it could come up with basically any sound you want to come up and think about. But uh, it's all keys. That was yeah. uh, that was something Derek was working on on the uh, the first tour actually. Mm-hmm. He, when we were doing sound checks, I heard him noodling with these these sounds and this little intro thing and. The, and uh, I, did, I had no idea it was, it was actually working on coming up with something that might turn into a song. He was just doing these things that I thought maybe would be added to his keyboard solo section or something like that. And and lo and behold, when they sent me the song, I said, oh, that's where that came I from. Remember I remember that. Yeah, you played that, in, you that, played that yeah. in Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Well, let's give it a shot right now. Again, this is uh, Sons of Apollo and from their brand new record, uh, 2020. This is called Goodbye Divinity. Thank you. 
Again, this is Junk Band, back with uh, Jeff Scott Soto. Again, that was Sons of Apollo, Goodbye Divinity. I hope you enjoyed that. It's from their brand new record, 2020. Nice work, man. Um, the, right on, man. Thanks. Every, it's 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 so weird for me as a, as a DJ to, to say, wow, that guitar player, that guitar solo was awesome. But I mean, it's just like every single bit on this record, every solo is incredible. So where do you just go with just one? It just leads into you know five different things. The vocals were great. The guitar player was great. The drums were great. It's just it, I'm, my head is spinning, you know. And it's just uh, I've seen it live, so even more so, I know where that's at. But uh, you know, you're the lyricist. You know, you're the you're the one that comes up. Now, are you basically the? Do you come up with the bulk of the lyrics on this on this particular uh, project? Yeah, or- on this album, absolutely. On the first album, we we were bouncing ideas again because I didn't know where we or where my role um, lied, and so I I would come up with the basis of the or the skeletal part of the lyrics and the theme, and then we would maybe tweak or, or change a few things and in the end you know it's i had to gain the respect of who and what i do who and how i do it for, for this band that doesn't make any sense either um mm-hmm. but the bottom line is it's i don't i'm not going to go to derek and say hey I, that keyboard sounds interesting so but maybe this one would be better or maybe if you play these notes or these parts and the same with mike strumming or any all across the board it's not my position to tell any of these guys, especially these guys, how and what to do with their instruments. So I needed to get that same respect thrown back my way in the sense of, um, I know now what to, what to do with these songs and, and guys just let me roll. Let me do what I do because I, we, we, we're all in this band for a reason. We're all hand selected to do this band for a reason. And there's no, it's not necessary for them to tell me how to write a lyric or how to write a melody as much as I would do that to, to Ron or Billy or anybody else in this band. Well, so that's, that's why on this album, I, I certainly have a hundred percent of the, the freedom and the, uh, the go ahead to, uh, to, to take the reins on it. Well, that's when I was going back to earlier and it shows you can actually see it in the looks on your faces when you guys are playing together, that there is such a mutual respect for each other and love of what the other person is doing in this band and i don't see that a lot you know usually you look at a band and the guy's just looking at the neck of his guitar he's looking at the audience or he's looking at the girl in the front row of which you know of course you guys are doing some of that as well but you can actually see i I watch you when you're not singing and you're looking you're you're moving your hands and you're watching the guitar player and the the guitar player is watching you when you're singing and it's just you could see the joy in the in the in the band members faces so i can see that when you bring something to the table it's not going to be criticized it's going to say yeah let's use that but let's use that here you know that's what i'm you know what i i guess i got really lucky we got really lucky that we all have the same ideals in common of how to and what we want to entertain the the audience with the fact we can only do what we do we Mm -hmm. can only write record and perform and and do what we do and hopefully it resonates to uh, the, the mass majority. Well, I definitely get it. You know, at least one journalist slash DJ gets it so and sees it. <laughs> awesome, so, man. you know, keep that in your back pocket if you need to. Uh, <laughs> uh, we've been friends long enough. I, I expect you to say that. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now, you were talking about lyrics. Now, I know there's a particular on the track that means uh, quite a bit to you, and that's the, the words to Desolate July, which is the, it's kind of a ballad, but a tribute to uh, your late friend David Z, tell us a little bit about how that track came to be and know that those of us that knew David, just how much we appreciate the fact that this song has come to be. Well, again, uh, as I already said, that the, that song, when I first heard it, it my, my ideal of I write based on what I hear, it, it harkens back to exactly that. As soon as I heard that song with the it kind of the funeral bells at the beginning it it put me in that place immediately i just i immediately knew that the song had to be for and about him and and to be honest with you we could have and should have done that uh on the the last solo i'm sorry the last soto album Mm -hmm. because david was a part of that band he was a huge part you know he was an equal partner he was a a writer he was a, a brother the whole all of the above 
So that song probably should have been more of a personal statement or more of a personal tribute to him from all of us in the band Soto. But I also, as Mike had a very close relationship, way, way longer than I, I had with David, the other guys in the band had their own personal relationships with David. I knew it would be, it, it would be, it probably would get a little more, um, I guess, attention if I did it with a band like Sons of Apollo and then musically, I, there was nothing else I could write about that song. Did I can't even think of anything else I would have written in the context of, of that song as soon as I heard it. So I, I, I told the guys, you know, this is what I hear and this is what I like to do. I hope I have your blessing on it that uh, I'm really going to push this as a tribute to David as, as opposed to just another song I'm writing about thematically for someone or something else. And they all said, go for it because obviously in releasing it and performing it live, I'm going to also make sure that people know that's about David. And Absolutely. David. You know, and, and it's a touchy subject because we've all lost somebody really close to us. You know, every day we're losing our peers, our rock stars, our family members, our friends. But this was such a personal thing. I had to make sure that I wasn't, um, I, I don't want to bring up something that's going to, well, we should have written this about, my mother or my friend or you know i wanted to make sure that we we knew this was coming from a personal place but it was it not to be taken personally mm -hmm. and it's a beautiful melody too um initially who came up with the melody for that um was that something that you that, also did or was that something that no, Ron you know or what? that 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 mo a majority of block of the uh, the melodies came from derek uh -huh. he, he wrote the i guess the majority of that song uh, on keyboard. So when we sat together and went over all the songs of where I'm singing, where, where, where I should be concentrating on writing vocals for, he gave me the, the uh, overall idea of those melodies and they, cause they fit so well over what he wrote musically. And then I, I took it from there and kind of refined it because if, if you heard Derek sing, it's, it's <laughs> not something that's that pleasurable, but I knew it, I knew where he's coming from. You know, he, he gives me general ideas for, what he feels for it uh, on an actual piece of music. And then from there I can then put my own emotion, my own kind of spin on it. God, and that was done. I mean, one of my favorite bands of all time did it that way. You know, Queen, they, they all wrote individually before they wrote collectively. And Brian May would come up with something that Freddie would have to then put his own spin on. And if you heard the way Brian would have sung it or, or the original demo of the way Brian sang it, it was not even close to what Freddie did though, because Freddie put his own personality behind it. So that was, that's my role to, to take something somebody else comes up with and then make just kind of craft it into something that I might've come up with. Well, it's a fine tribute to, uh, to a really, really good guy and a, a very, very talented man. And it just, again, it's a beautiful, beautiful melody. So let's give that one a Thank spin you, right now. And uh, again, this was from sons of Apollo. 2020. The song is called Desolate July.
Junkman, again with Jeff Scott Soto, vocalist from Sons of Apollo. And we're talking about the new record, 2020. Wow. That one really gets you every time you hear it. Just, Thank you. Yeah, it, it, even doing it live, it, it, yeah. it's it's strange to uh, to do a song that that gets you each and every time you do it, and because it seems like the more you do it, it you don't become numb to it, but you do, you just kind of you get used to doing it, and you don't, it, it kind of gets it just becomes a song at some point. But every time I get to that uh, doing that song, I get to the end of it, and I I truly just feel crushed inside. I feel emotional and. Yeah, I, I think the audience can see it. I, I'm not just singing that song. I'm actually feeling that song, whether it's you're hearing it on the record or you're hearing it live. Wow, it's uh, it's very emotional, and it's just uh, it's a great listen. And it's uh, 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 watching you singing that live. Yeah, you could just feel the emotion coming out of you, and I uh, just want to to relay that to you. And I know get our any of our any of our listeners that are over in Europe that you're coming to them. And that they'll be able to experience that themselves um, very shortly. And again, February 29th, the end of the month. Hey, it's leap year, right? That's when it starts. How about that? <laughs> exactly. Huh? In Germany, leap year in Germany. So there you go. Indeed. Add that to your to your book of accomplishments, my friend. <laughs> and, we, and we sold out two shows. The first two shows are sold out, and that's a beautiful thing too. Like wow. Our our the first tour of 2020, a leap year, and on the actual. 29th of February, that show is sold out. So it's a bit of an omen for us. Do you remember where you were the last leap year? <laughs> uh, I can't remember where I was two weeks ago. <laughs> That's why I was asking, because I sure as hell don't remember what I was doing the last leap year. There's no way. Um, man, I'm telling you, in terms of in terms of touring, now you're bringing Tony McAlpine uh, with you on, on the tour as well, correct? That was only on the uh, on the US, US tour. tour. Okay, yeah, Tony's actually doing a European tour. Probably, I think he's starting now or next week or right around the same time. But he's doing his own run at, while we're out there. Man, that was such a treat seeing him playing because I know he was sick for a while. And I told him after the show, I said, "You know, it's been a long time since I've seen you play." And I didn't go into why, obviously, but I mean, I said uh, it's good to know that he that he's feeling better and he's got that killer band. And the fact is that you guys get to go up and jam. With him too, which yeah, is which is killer. Tony's such a great guy. I, I I don't know him all that well. I just I know of him, and you know we've shared the same musicians and and uh, especially Sons of Apollo because he was part of a band that was uh, that originated that, that Sons of Apollo originated from. So it, it it's it was great to to see him every day and to kind of get to know him a little better, and of course jam with him every night. And so from that. Uh, I, I just have nothing but nice and positive things to say about this guy. I always have, but even more so now. Man, it was again. It was so much. It was so much fun for me that that evening as a musician, just to see from the beginning to the end, just the cream of the crop of so many amazing rock musicians, and a place was packed with. God, yeah. everybody in everybody in the biz was there that night with their mouths open watching you guys. It was but, crazy uh, packed. <laughs> uh, now, do you have a favorite track in on this particular record, and if so, why? I have to go with uh, "New World Today," uh-huh. and to me, that's uh, that's kind of like the the creme de la creme of my career. That song itself, it, I call those kind of songs the kitchen sink songs because. First of all, it's 16 minutes long. Mm-hmm. You have to do a lot of shit in a 16-minute <laughs> song to keep it interesting. Yes, you and do. <laughs> strangely, when I listen to that, that song on the record, it doesn't feel like 16 minutes to me. It doesn't even, doesn't even feel like 10 minutes to me because there's so many interesting things going on, from obviously musically, but when you even get to the, uh, the, the, different, um, the, the different tempo changes and the, the different kind of vibes that are included in the song it, it it truly is like it comes from that the uh the epic days of when rush would record like 2112 and the whole side a would be one song with different subcategories within with subtitles within the song right that to me was i was so excited when i heard this because my my god i've never been a part of a song like that a big epic monstrosity mammoth song like that so as far as i'm concerned this is like one of the ultimate mantelpieces of my career. And because, and I really dove into lyrically, I knew it had to be, it had to mean something and new world today. It it reflects to what's going on in our country with, uh, with politics, with religion, with the me too movement, with, uh, 
the taking a knee during the national anthem, all those things are factored into the lyrics. And I wanted to make sure I covered all those things, even you know, prayer in school, all these things that are now 20th century discussions and, and, um, and, and news topics. And so from that, having a 16 minute song allowed me to tap into all the things that we're, that, that is part of the new world that we live in today, even, even overseas, you know, Brexit and all these different things, everything is included thematically into this that I would not have been able to pull off in a four minute song. That's interesting. <laughs> Just, yeah, it's like, a, it's like making a good, uh, it's like making a good pot of stew. You know, you got to throw everything in there as it is. But you got to know how to throw yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. you throw everything in, doesn't necessarily, it's going to be, it's going to taste good. It's good, but it doesn't taste like my grandmother's, right? You got to make exactly. it taste like your grandmother's, you know? So that's, that's where it's at. But now oh, it's a 16 minute song. I don't know if we're going to have time to play that particular one. I, I really, I'm, you know what? I, I would on another day if I wasn't playing a, a other really long songs like that. Um, what can you tell us about Fall to Ascend? That's another one that I, I really, really enjoyed. Yeah, and again, um, I wrote, lyrically, I wrote it uh, to have a double entendre. Um, I, I, I absolutely love singing and performing the song live. I, I, it's, it's a, I, I can't say enough about everything on the record, but yeah, this particular one as well, it was... Um, let me see. I'm, I'm trying to remember. I don't think there was a, an actual direct context I used to to to, um, to go lyrically on it. But again, I think overall the lyrics on that kind of come from the same place as New World Today. Maybe a little bit of New World Today, but more concentrated on that particular one. Um, some people have said, "Did you write this about somebody you used to play with? Did you write this about?" You know, was it about Ingvi or Neil Sean or anybody that did you wrong or you felt did you wrong? Or is it about a relationship? And I, I said, it's none of the above. But I'm glad you take it that way because yeah. you can, you, however you read it, however you it's hear it. It's up to your own interpretation, your own interpretation, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So as far as I'm concerned, I'd rather not reveal what it's about because, I, I again, I'd rather people put their own spin of what they think it's about because it might relate to them a little more. If I say it's about this, they'll say, Oh, that's, that has nothing to do with what I thought it was. So that it doesn't have the same meaning to them anymore. That's why I don't even like to explain where the lyrics come from on most of my things, because it kind of pops the bubble of what somebody thought it might've been about. Well, here's another thing too. You've got so many amazing musicians that are behind you. It might take some of the pressure off people thinking that way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> they might yeah, not be that. able to concentrate as much on the, on what the lyrics are all about when they're busy listening to, you know, Mike tearing it up on the drums or, you know, Billy's bass on it, something like that. So, exactly. which is interesting that because that's what falls into the genre of the quote unquote progressive rock. Sometimes, you know, the lyrics on these things sometimes are misinterpreted a lot, simply because people a lot of times are not listening to them first and foremost. So, you know, it's interesting. I uh, with I this would, record, I would rather I, somebody, huh? yeah, I'd rather somebody take get the wrong interpretation of my lyrics than to than to ruin their image of what they thought it was about. Well, yeah, so that's why I, I, I give them, I give them the full run to come up with their, their own concept, what they feel it's about or what they think I might've been writing about because it makes it more fun that way. Well, myself, I'm a drummer, so I'm listening to the lyrics. I'm following the vocal inflections, you know? So when right, I right, listen right. to a record like this thing with any of uh, these other bands that are out there, you know what? I am listening to the lyrics and a lot of people, they're listening to the guitar. They're listening to the bass. And again, with every person in this particular band being such a, a, uh, a monster player, it's uh, it's easily to uh, to get lost in the mix. Absolutely, imagine, and, and so. again, it, it harkens back to what I said earlier. We yep. do what we do, and we can only do what we do. There's no crystal ball uh, saying if people are going to resonate towards it or if it's going to leave any kind of impact. We can only hope that people find something in what we're doing, and and you know, and and lock down to it. Well, Jeff, I cannot thank you enough for coming out with uh, with you and the guys for coming out with this record. I mean, I'm just I'm so impressed, and I'm so glad that you came out with a second one. Um, I'm thank hopefully you, that brother. there's going to be a third, fourth, and fifth one too. You know, we're, I, we're I having just, those discussions literally as we speak. So, that's terrific. Uh, I, I this man ain't going anywhere anytime soon. What's cool too on not only on this zoo, I heard that that there's also a limited edition 
two CD package, which includes instrumental mixes and acapella excerpts. And uh, again, that's a that's a Portnoy thing. He he loves. Yep. He's such a fan of music. He's such a fan. We all are, but he's such a super fan of bonus stuff and giving people a little something extra yep. instead of just giving a, a general album. Okay, yeah, uh, there's nothing left. That's all we have, and and moving on. He loves pushing for other things because as a collector of these things and I was the same growing up I love B-sides I love yep. collecting singles because on the other side you might get something that's not released on the record you get these extras all these extras of your your favorite bands and he absolutely brings that to the table with us and for us and I love it when, when he said he's going to put an acapella I'm like oh Jesus this stuff's going to stand up naked without anything underneath it and it does it, it, it's, it's a fun listen when you when you listen to just stripped down of what it what it actually sounds like without the music dude speaking of that props to you for singing acapella at the roxy show running to the soundboard first <laughs> guys listen to this he runs to the soundboard looks me dead in the eye and whoever was behind me i think zach wild was behind me and you're you're singing your lyrics you ran to the bar stood on the bar got a shot drank a shot of whatever the hell it was probably tequila or something like that it was and then vodka. yeah it was vodka okay well there you go <laughs> There you go. Question answered. Uh, and then sang a cappella, the 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 chorus of the particular song. Uh, this is at the end of singing his lungs out for you know an hour before that. You know, it's just props to you, well, dude. I mean, it was just my uh, brother. Again, it was amazing. As I as we talked about earlier, when I'm up there, I, I shit happens that you don't even you don't even map out. Yeah, you know, I didn't plan on going on the audience. I I did that every night on the first tour. And I didn't want to just do it just to do it. Okay, I did the last tour. I got to do it again. People expected. It, it felt like, it just felt right to do it at that point. And I didn't, I think I maybe did it one more time on that tour or that run, but I, I didn't plan it. I just I, I just felt it. I'm like, I want to go do this. And I just did it. Well, watch, your, watch yourself in Russia when you go over there. They might not be able to, to understand what's going on over there. You know, they may think nah, you're trying I, to invade. I, I had so. no problem when I did it every night on the, uh, the last tours. I, but again, I don't want to do it and just say, oh, okay, the old shtick, he's doing that again. I, I, if, if I'm going to do something like that, it's got to be either spontaneous. It's got to be worked out that it's different from the other times I've already done it. Well, again, thanks you, thanks for uh, for letting us chat for a little while and give all my best and our best to uh, to the rest of the guys in the band and the crew and uh, whoever and just have a ball over there in Europe, man. I know you will. You got it, uh, Again, you can find out anything you want to about Sons of Apollo and just Google it or, again, check out the official website, um, social media, things like that. If you happen to be in Europe, hey, they're coming to you, you know. United States, I, I look forward to when you guys come back again. I'm sure our people in South America, as we spoke about, are going to get a taste of this too. But just go out and get the record; it's a treat. And um, you know, again, it's uh, it's my pleasure to uh, to be able to speak about it and appreciate it and tell you directly, my friend. So, my man, every time, man, it's a, I always look forward to chatting because it's when we do it, it's a, it seems like we're just talking one on one, like yep. like old bros. We're yep. not; it's not it's not part of the the interview regiment and yeah. cycle of, of yeah. an album or whatever. Yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go sticking a, a microphone and go, who are your influences? <laughs> you know, that was amazing. Exactly. I'm not going to be that guy, you know, exactly. <laughs> Just know that, uh, you know, that's probably what I, what I, what I am thinking in the back of my head. Right on. Anyway, man. So appreciate that. I appreciate you. All right. Again, Jeff Scott Soto, this is uh sons of Apollo and fall to ascend. And uh, thanks for, uh, for calling in my friend. Hang on a line just Thank for a you. moment.
Sons of Apollo, brand new, Fall to Ascend, from their brand new record, 2020, also known to some of you as MMXX, <laughs> for those of us that can't read Roman numerals anyway, but uh, yeah, my thanks for uh, to singer Jeff Scott Soto for phoning in and telling us all about that record and the new tour that's going to Europe, which uh, starts on February 29th in Germany. And continues on to Norway, Sweden, Ukraine, Moscow. Oh, man, everywhere. Spain, France. Ends up in uh, Hungary, in Budapest, on March 25th. And then, who knows? We'll see. As he said, they're working on it. So, again, go to sonsofapollo.com or Google Sons of Apollo. And uh, check out anything you need to know about that particular band. But my thanks for uh, for uh, Jeff speaking with us. Always such a great guy. Very, very articulate. Always nice. In a great mood every time I've seen him. And uh, man, as you can tell, quite a singer. And that's quite a band. Again, the uh, brand new Sons of Apollo record. Go get it. 